0: Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Bridge Bank. Today's Friday, September 11th. Lumber prices are up, hopes for another stimulus are down, and we're focused on tech's role in fighting the California wildfires. To say that California's on fire right now is not hyperbole. The so-called August Complex Fire has become the state's biggest ever on record. And California has more acres burned so far this season than in any prior year. Even in a city like San Francisco, which is void of forest, residents are staring out at pumpkin orange skies and have been warned to stay inside so as not to breathe in dense smoke-clogged air. One of the ironies of this, if you can call it an irony, is that much of the area being pelted with ash is the heart of tech innovation, Silicon Valley. But tech hasn't done too much work when it comes to helping fight or prevent these sorts of blazes. In short, few technology companies build products designed for use by government, public safety or otherwise, instead preferring the easier to access consumer and commercial markets. But there are some exceptions. One is called Gotenna, which has developed a so-called wireless mesh communication system that lets wildfire fighters communicate via their cell phones, even if there isn't any available cellular service. It's a massive improvement over the old tactical radio systems. And we talked to its CEO, Daniela Perdomo, in 15 seconds about what tech could be doing more of and why it isn't. But first, this. We're joined now by Daniela Perdomo, co-founder and CEO of GoTenna. So Daniela, let's just start here. How is your product being used right now in the California wildfires?
1: So Gotenna Pro is a device that pairs to any smartphone or computer and allows you to create basically a common operating picture on the ground. So what we enable wildland firefighters out in the West Coast to do is to know where they are, where their teammates are, where the hazards are, and basically maintain total situational awareness, even when central infrastructure like cell towers, routers, even satellite are unavailable. So if you are a wildland firefighter on the ground, you want to be able to know exactly where everything is and where you need to go and where your people are so that you can have a more efficient and safe recovery mission.
0: So traditionally, how was that communication done? Even pre-cell phone? I mean, was it mostly kind of walkie-talkies and things like that?
1: Yeah. So the incumbent systems that people traditionally use are tactical radios, which are you know the professional version of what you and I call walkie-talkies. However, these systems can fail in part because sometimes they depend on VoIP. So you know, you may have heard A year or two ago, Verizon accidentally, in their words, throttled communications for wildland firefighters on the West Coast, and then people were left without communication. But it shows the pitfalls of depending on a top-down centralized approach. The other thing is that even if it's not operating on VoIP, tactical radio systems often depend on repeaters that are put in different places in the forests or in cities. And if those burn down, along with all other infrastructure, then you are left with no communication whatsoever.
0: When you talk to folks in public safety, and particularly people specific to things like wildfires in California, do they have other needs that you've been able to assess that aren't being met? Not necessarily things that Gotenna could deal with, but possibly other sorts of tech companies could deal with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think generally what we're seeing across not just wildland firefighting, but you know, all kinds of disaster recovery, all kinds of even you know military operations, is that typically what you have you know, from a technology perspective is devices and tools that are quite old. You know, the traditional providers of technology to the military and public safety in the United States innovate pretty infrequently. And so you're bought into very expensive systems and devices that haven't been updated in a long time. And so in many ways, you know, we were inspired to create the Gotenna Pro system in part because we figured our phones, you and I as civilians, we depend on phones to allow us to get to the right place to make the right decisions in real time. But we started to think about the fact that you and I, when we lose service in certain situations, that's a great inconvenience, but how can it be that the people who put their lives on the lines for others don't have communication when you know, their and our lives depend on it? So what we saw is that often consumer technology is more advanced or at least easier to use. And so we've married the best of incumbent tactical land mobile radio technology with the phone. And I'm not sure if I mentioned before, but the Go 10 Pro critically pairs directly to smartphones. And so you're able to use a smartphone the way you normally would, except now you're able to use it even if your phone has no service, whether it's on airplane mode or services down, you're able to have the same kind of situational awareness that you would have on a blue sky day on Google Maps. But now you have it in a secure tactical grade fashion.
0: You talked about how a lot of these public safety organizations are often relying on old technology. Do you think part of that is because the tech sector in general, and I'm generalizing here, believes that kind of the government procurement process for new technologies is cumbersome, kind of opaque, and they would rather sell to consumers and to businesses?
1: Yes, I have a lot of thoughts on that. So a lot of people assume that government agencies have all the latest and greatest technology at the disposal. And several decades ago, especially in the United States, that might have been true. And, you know, I'll I'll just remind everyone that things like the internet and GPS were government-funded innovation, specifically, you know, for the public sector. But there's definitely been a shift in Silicon Valley toward consumer products and enterprise SaaS. And I can't say exactly what's happened. Maybe the long and slow government contracting process scares you know, agile entrepreneurs and VCs away. And certainly the multiples on valuations for SaaS and consumer businesses are higher than developing the tools our first responders need to do their jobs and keep the rest of us safe. And it shouldn't be this way because US government customers are among the very best out there if you can get them. But I believe that you know, aligning your company's mission with those of the people who work 24 seven, 365 days a year to keep us safe should always be a great business proposition. And there are seemingly endless hurdles you know, especially with climate change pummeling us year after year and with no sign of abating. But there isn't a bigger reward, in my view, than tackling the big real-world problems that need solving. And if ever there was a time for the government to address those problems through technology, it would be now.
0: So I've been asking for you, kind of tech's relative lack of innovation toward government needs. Does government ask enough? In other words, as you say, government's got antiquated technologies. Do they send out lots of RFPs and make it known in Silicon Valley? And I know you're in Brooklyn to say, we need something better for this.
1: They do, but very often the RFPs go to the big contractors that they've been working with for decades. And so very often, if sometimes the needs are best met by smaller, more upstart technology companies, they still have to work with these prime vendors in between. And, you know, a lot of money, in my opinion, is wasted in the process. And not just money, but time as well.
0: Daniela Perdomo of GoTenna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today are lumber prices, which just hit a record high. Not only that, they hit a record high in September, a time when a lot of those do-it-yourself home and deck projects are either completed or on hold until next spring. Why it matters is that the price surge reflects a huge increase in U.S. home building, which is on pace to have its busiest year since 2006. And as lumber prices rise, it also means a surge in new home prices. Today, we're also watching Instagram, which would be one of the biggest beneficiaries of President Trump's proposed ban on TikTok, theoretically scheduled for midnight next Tuesday. Instagram CEO Adam Mosseri was on CNBC this morning, and while he acknowledged there would be some benefits to Insta from a TikTok ban, he added that the downside consequences could be much greater. Now If we move to a place where countries start to silo, internet within them, and we can't operate in that way, I think that is much, much more problematic than any short-term benefit. And finally, on the anniversary of 9-11, today we're reading a fascinating new piece in Politico by Garrett Graff about the kids born 19 years ago today. This upcoming election, it'll be their first chance ever to vote, all 13,238 of them. Graff writes, quote, they lean left, but they include plenty of independents and Trump admirers too even as they profess sympathy for Black Lives Matter and same-sex marriage, which has been legal somewhere in the country for nearly half their lives. If you can carve out 15 minutes to read his piece this weekend, it is certainly worthy of your time. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, tomorrow have a great chocolate milkshake day, and we'll be back Monday with another Axios Recap.